Mac Power Users, Episode 9, Getting Ready for Snow Leopard. Hello, this is David Sparks. Along with me today is Katie Floyd. How are you doing, Katie? I'm good, David. Weren't we just here a few minutes ago? It seems like it, doesn't it? It does. This is a breaking news Mac Power User. We've not done one of these before. Yeah, the first one we had planned to talk about security with the next episode, but uh, we got too excited when we saw all the Snow Leopard news coming out. Right, so we are going to do security, so send in any of your security tips, tricks, questions, um, and we will do that next show, which will actually, because we're doing this show a little earlier than we anticipated, our next show probably won't come until early September so uh, don't be worried. We haven't gone anywhere. David's going on vacation for a week, and then I'm moving the week after that. So we've got a lot going on. But, hey, you still got your two shows a month, as we promised. Yeah, and if you're watching the news at all, everyone is talking about Snow Leopard hitting us very shortly. Do you think it's going to come out early? Apple has officially said September. Of course, we don't know for sure. My guess was always the last Friday in September. These things typically come out on Fridays and at the end of the month. Um, but John Gruber, who has a tendency to know these things, said that we're going to see it on August 28th. And he said, I think he said it could be as early as, as August 28th. Okay, as early as. I think... Um I'm with you. I always, when I hear Apple say, we're going to release something in July, that means to me the last Friday of July. And that's the way they've usually rolled. But apparently, uh, they're ahead of schedule. If you believe all the rumor sites, they're already at the Gold Master. And if that's the case, it's simply a question of uh, printing up the disks, you know, and, and putting the PR motion uh, in motion. Yeah, the um, the one thing that leads me to believe that we are not going to see Snow Leopard a whole lot sooner, we still may see it mid-September or so, um, is simply the fact that although Amazon has it available for pre-order, Apple does not. And I would think that they would want to have a couple of weeks ramp up of uh, pre-order time to allow everybody who doesn't live near an Apple store the chance to get one. Well, either way, uh, Snow Leopard is the next great thing for Mac OS X, and we had planned to do a show of getting ready for Snow Leopard, and then we thought we'd do a Power User episode after Snow Leopard came out, and we kind of had a chance to kick the tires a bit and talk about what we like about the uh, improvements and how that changes the way we use our Macs. So this show is all about getting ready for Snow Leopard. And probably the first thing we have to check is make sure that your computer is going to be able to run Snow Leopard. Um, Apple has an entire page talking about the specifications of Snow Leopard since um, some certain applications will require higher specifications than others in order to do their thing, and we'll put a link to that on the show notes. But in terms of general requirements, um, as we've talked about before, Snow Leopard is going to require an Intel-based Mac. This is the first time that Apple is abandoning completely the PowerPC processor. We've seen them do Intel-only releases before with iWork and iLife, and now the OS is going Intel-only. So what do you think about that? It feels a little early um, because I know a lot of people who have PowerPC Macs um, and, and still, they're great machines. There are a lot of great PowerPC Macs that are still out there with a lot of life left in them. But at the same time, I feel like we really drug that classic transition on longer than it needed to go. And we've been on Intel Macs for several years now. And if Apple wants to innovate going forward, they are going to have at some point have to drop this big, bulky legacy code. Yeah, I was when I first heard it, I had no heartburn at all. I felt like, you know... The computer, if you have a computer that's less than two years old, you're fine. If you have a computer that's more than two years old, you're probably not that far off from an upgrade. But then I've got a few emails from readers and listeners talking about how they aren't going to be able to upgrade. And I feel bad for them because, you know, it really isn't that old to have a computer two or three years old no. and not be able to upgrade. But the great news is that Leopard is an amazing operating system. Yeah. And I think Leopard is going to be very compatible with Snow Leopard. So, you know, in the past we've said try to, you know, uh, try to run all your Macs on the same OS and you'll have much better compatibility between the two. But I think Snow Leopard and Leopard are going to talk to each other just fine. And go ahead, you know, upgrade the Macs that qualify, get the Macs that don't uh, up to date on Snow Leopard and 
you know, replace them as you can. Yeah, the additional requirements is you have to have one gigabyte of memory, which if you have an Intel machine, you probably do. And um, you probably do. And I have found from past experience that it's pretty much a good idea to take Apple's recommendation and double it. Yeah. You need five gigabytes of disk space, which is kind of misleading because it actually uses less disk space once you get rid of Rosetta and all the other stuff. It gets smaller than the Leopard install. Uh, you need a DVD drive for installation. Which everybody should have, unless their DVD drive died. Yeah. Although, I know someone who just recently did a very interesting upgrade. Okay. Took took out the optical drive and put in another hard drive in his MacBook Pro. That's not exactly off the rack, though. No. But I thought it was a cool idea. But I'm sure he has an external as well. So everybody that's got an Intel Mac probably has these minimum requirements. And uh, the question is, should you upgrade to Snow Leopard? And I think I'd just go out on a limb and say yes. It's 30 bucks. Yeah. Skip Starbucks for a couple of weeks and go do it. There's a, there's always a smart way to go about this and, and wait a month or two to let people like me you know, take the bullets and... I'm okay with that, frankly, because I, I can't help myself. I always upgrade. No, that that night, I you know, I fondly remember pretty much the last major updates that I've done with OS ten. That they've been you know long nights, but um, I'll I'll be doing it, and we'll get a show out at some point. So there are a couple of different ways to get your Mac up to Snow Leopard. Um, if you are currently running a Mac that runs Leopard. That's the easiest way is just go out and buy Snow Leopard and you can follow the various install instructions on the CD which or DVD, which we'll uh, get to a little later in the show. However, if you're upgrading from 10.4 or earlier, you are going to have to go out and purchase the new Mac box set when it is available, which will include Snow Leopard, iLife 09, and iWork 09. If you're fortunate and you've purchased a new Mac since June 8, 2009, which if that sounds familiar, it's WWDC Day, you can order an upgrade for Snow Leopard for $9.95, which I've already done. You know, but wait a second. Go back to that box set. Okay. If you haven't upgraded yet, and you can, I think that's a great deal. The box set's an amazing deal. The box set with Snow Leopard is $169.00. Or a family pack with five licenses is $229. And if you haven't upgraded to Leopard yet, you don't have iWork 09 and iLife 09 because those are Leopard-only releases. So it's not like you're wasting any money on things that you can't use. And and those are two fantastic packages. Absolutely. Uh, Okay. And then the other way to upgrade is buy a new Mac. Buy a new Mac. Now, of course, if you're out there buying a new Mac the night that Snow Leopard is released or a couple of days or even a few weeks thereafter, you're probably going to get one of these drop-in packs or a a hard copy of Snow Leopard that you're going to have to go install yourself, but you will get a copy of Snow Leopard. Um, If you give it a little while to work through the system, then your Mac should already have Snow Leopard pre-installed. Yeah, that's about right. Um, And where do you buy it? Um, well, I've already got mine coming through the up-to-date program, but as of the night that we're recording this podcast on August 14th, uh, it is not available for pre-order on Apple's website. It is available for pre-order on Amazon's website, and we'll put a link to those in the show notes as well. And Amazon has pricing that's usually pretty comparable to Apple's, which seems to make sense. In this case, a single-user license is $29.00. A family pack for five users is $49. Uh, the Mac box set upgrade with Snow Leopard, as we talked about, was $169. The Mac box set family pack is $229. And if you do need Snow Leopard server, that's $499. Yeah, 29 bucks is such a good deal. Uh, what are they getting for Windows 7 now? I guess there's so many different versions, depending on what you're track. But, I mean, just, you know, let's say for giggles that, you know, it's... Uh, 150 bucks. You can buy five licenses, single licenses of Snow Leopard for that price. <laughs> well, you can buy five for $49. You can go yeah, ahead so, and buy the dot .mac, you know, the, the whole box set. <laughs> yeah. Or you could buy three box sets and buy 15 licenses. There you go. <laughs> 
I, you know, I, I think it's it's crazy. I'm probably going to buy it on Amazon. Uh, in the past, though, I've gone to the Apple Store because it's actually kind of a fun carnival event. I remember when Leopard came out. Uh, for some reason, we had something going on, and uh, my family and I went out to dinner down at the uh, Irvine Spectrum, which is near where I live. And the Apple Store there had a big party, and we got free shirts and. Uh, you know, they make you feel like a rock star for being a nerd and buying software on Friday night. So there you go. Uh, I've done it a couple of times at the Apple store and that's a lot of fun. Um, this past year they did free t-shirts the years before that, although not with leopard, they've done, um, giveaways and 10% off any purchase that night, which was, if you were planning on buying a new Mac, it was a great night to buy it. Cause you usually don't get 10% off the price of a new Mac, but um, they didn't do that last year, so I'm not so sure if they will this year. I doubt it. No, I do too. Especially when they're, you know, they've got at such a great price point. I'm, I'm really glad that Apple's at that twenty nine dollars. I, I hope that's the wave of the future. I hope they keep it down. Well, I think you know, Snow Leopard is obviously an interesting case. It wouldn't surprise me if they go back up. But uh, there's a lot about Snow Leopard with this being a update or an upgrade that's. Uh, really unknown out there and we've got some rumors and some links about how this is going to work but you know obviously we won't know how it really works until we get the dvd in our hands and start playing with it yeah hopefully on the 28th um i'm doubting it but maybe okay so what do you need to do to get ready to install snow leopard the first thing you need to do is make sure that your mac meets the minimum requirements which we talked about Um, If you're right on the edge, you may want to go to that technical specifications website that we put a link to in the show notes because it specifically says, um, you know, for example, DVD player requires a 1.6 gigahertz processor and uh, QuickTime H.264 hardware acceleration requires a 6400M graphics processor. So there are some specific requirements for specific uses of Snow Leopard. So... There's nothing worse than going out and getting it and realizing it's not going to do everything that you want it to do. So take a look at that. I also I also think that you know this is the week or two or three before it comes out is the ideal time to make the RAM upgrade or order the new hard drive. Absolutely, um, I've done hard drive upgrades before with operating system installs. You may, given the fact that this is going to be an upgrade, want to go ahead and do that hard drive or RAM upgrade before rather than at the same time. Well, um, it depends because if you decide to you know, do the nuke and pave route, then just hold on to it until the, the software gets here. Right. But uh, you're right. If you're, if you're going to upgrade, get the RAM and everything upgraded before you install the Snow Leopard. I also tell people that this is a good time to take an inventory of your apps and your peripherals. If you have especially specialized equipment, you want to make sure that all of that stuff is going to work with Snow Leopard. So check the developers and the manufacturer's website to see if there is any information about Snow Leopard compatibility. I think most things are going to be okay, but with every operating system release, we do see, you know, my printer that always worked now no longer scans, and for whatever reason, my specialized scanner software isn't working. So um, take a look around and see what you've got connected to your Mac and see what you use on a regular basis and, um, you know, do a little research right now. Most of the developers, most of the manufacturers have information up there about Snow Leopard compatibility and... um, make sure that it's going to work. And keep in mind that if you have a specific app or a specific peripheral that is mission critical to your workflow or to your business, I wouldn't upgrade until you can confirm compatibility. Let other people be the bleeding edge testers and you sit back and watch the forums and see what happens. Yeah, I will. I would bet money that there is going to be something that doesn't work with Snow Leopard uh, that's going to affect quite a few people, and we're going to hear a lot about it in the first couple of weeks. Well, it happens every time. Yeah, I mean, last time it was the um, was it the Mackie boards or something got didn't right. work with the uh, with a lot of the podcasters. But I think that really exposes a problem that Apple has, and that's their beta program. Their beta program is that they just release this stuff to developers, and so developers get the license, and, and developers are a distinct group of people. I mean, they program computers for a living. And I'm sure they're used to a lot of the problems that computers have. They're very good at troubleshooting and finding bugs. But that doesn't make them a, a really a good 
um, source for beta testing in the sense that all the other people out there, us, you know, normal folk that don't program computers aren't getting a chance to kick the tires first. And problems that we will have are ones that the developers may never run into. Well, take a look at Windows 7. It's been out in essentially a public beta for months now. Yeah, and you know, there's two sides to that. I mean, doing it that way helps assure there won't be as many problems, but it takes away some of the excitement of the release date. And and you know, frankly, if Apple put the beta out to a wider audience, uh, we wouldn't have all this excitement and discussion about what it's going to do because it would already be well known. We would already be running it. Very likely, very likely, at least on one computer. But you know that I think is an issue, and it, we're not going to solve that today. But I do think it's of note, and every time we run into this problem, like remember when Leopard came out, it was I think the Logitech mouse driver. Well, it was anything that used um, the Haxi. The Haxi and the Logitech yeah. mouse driver was one of the big things that did. Yeah, I, I don't know how that didn't get caught through the Apple you know, distribution through developers. There must be some of them were running Logitech drivers, but. Uh, if you had a wider beta with a more diverse group of users, I'm certain they would have caught that beforehand. Well, that actually brings me to my next point, is the specific <laughs> blue screen of death issue with the Leopard update a few months ago, or a few years ago, rather, was specifically with an application enhancer, Ape, which did a lot of hacksies that I had downloaded and used, but also was available in a prior version of the Logitech driver. Now, Ape had been updated to ensure compatibility with Leopard, but it had only been updated relatively recently, and as a result, a lot of people were using older versions and older implementations, and even Logitech was using an older implementation. So especially if you are going to do the standard update to Snow Leopard, which I think most people will, um, you do want to make sure that all of your applications on your computer are up to date. And I would especially be mindful of any drivers, any system preferences, any menu items, any plugins, uh, anything that you're adding on top of the system to enhance it that runs at login or that runs behind the scenes. Uh, you need to be especially mindful of those things and make sure that they get up to date before you start playing with Snow Leopard. Yeah, I think that's good advice. It's also a good time to uh, do some spring cleaning. Yeah, might as well. You know, take take the junk out, um, especially if you're going to do the upgrade. We're going to talk in a minute about the types of uh, upgrades you can do, but the basic upgrade is where you let the system go and and install the differences between what you had and what you need. And if that's the case, then this is the time to figure out what you don't want after you install Snow Leopard. Uh, getting your information together, uh, let's assume the worst. Even though you're going to do a basic upgrade, you know, assume things may go badly and have your password files, your uh, license codes and whatnot available to you if you have to go back and reinstall. Right. Um, especially some people out there, myself included, are probably planning to do one of those more advanced install options where they're either going to archive and install or erase and install. It's a little different now in the implementation with Snow Leopard or so we've been led to believe that that will be a little deeper buried into the system and probably something that most users will overlook or ignore, um, but maybe not the Mac Power users. So it's especially important to take this time to do an inventory, make sure that you have all of your installed disks, and may also be a good time, although we may still be a little early yet out, to go ahead and collect all of your disk images for all of those online applications that you're going to reinstall. Maybe it's a good time to make that magic disk. Yes, the infamous magic disk. I've got a lot of email about that. We talked about it in the Setting Up a New Mac episode. And that's the little USB drive I have that I keep collections of uh, disk images, uh, both downloaded and uh copied off, off the DVDs and I use it to set up new Macs. I'm going to do a pod, a, I'm sorry, a screencast about that pretty soon because I've had so many questions. I'm going to show how I uh, rip the DVD onto it and how I use the, uh, the script with Hazel to automatically copy the DMG files over. Uh, it's not really that complicated, but I think if you see it, it'll make it a little easier. 
but if you're thinking about doing something a little more extreme, this would be a perfect time to put one of those together. So basically, in a nutshell, what you do is you go into Disk Utility, insert your CDs, and then create new disk images from the install CDs or DVDs and save them to this hard drive, right? Yes, and then you can just mount that onto the drive and install from there. So you can plug the external USB in and it shows up right there. You can also pull the, uh, the, the DMG files onto your desktop into a folder and just install that way. Right. And either way, running it off a hard drive is going to be faster than running it off optical media. Yeah, and, and much faster with the multi-disc installations. The, uh, I upgraded Logic. You know, they came out the new version. And uh, the first thing I did was rip all the DVDs onto my Magic Disk before I even installed the upgrade, which was really difficult because it you know, took a couple of mornings of getting that done, and I, I really wanted to play with the new Logic. You know, the other thing you really need to do, no matter which way you're going to go on this upgrade, is backup. Absolutely. This, this is a good time to make sure that everything with your Mac is working because a lot of times people will think that a new operating system or a new software update will solve all of their problems and squash all of their bugs. And while that is true sometimes, more often than not, if you have any kind of fluke or any kind of problem or any kind of little lingering bug that's been floating around that you haven't had an opportunity to resolve, now is a good time to take some time and get all those little bugs squashed because chances are if you have an issue and you ignore it and you install Snow Leopard on top of something, you could very easily be bringing that issue and making it a whole lot worse. Yeah, you could magnify the problem when you do an operating system upgrade on a system that's got some problem. Right. In fact, I've got that very issue on my iMac. Uh, we ran see. into it tonight. Yeah, I've got something. Yeah, I, I install a lot of software because of Mac Sparky and the things I do. And so I'm, I've got, I'm an edge case when it comes to my computer. And uh, I've got some problem on the iMac. I've cleared out the caches. I've done all the things. I even had my friend Steve Stenger help me troubleshoot it. And I'm still having hiccups. And I think this computer, uh, rather than try and fix this problem anymore, when Snow Leopard comes out, it's going to get the nuke and pave treatment. Ooh, I always do nuke and pave, so that doesn't scare me. Yeah. But it, it can be a little scary if, you know, you weren't planning on it. Yeah, it's not that bad of it. It's not that, you know, with the install disk and 1Password and the things I use, it really doesn't take that long. Right, and I guess we would refer people back to our setting up a new Mac episode for a lot of those details, although we are going to touch on some of them here. Okay, so we've got our system ready or as ready as it's going to be. Um, what do we know about the install process? And this is where the podcast moves from fact to speculation. Educated speculation, maybe? Yes. Okay. Right. Well, well, give us that. We're, we're relying largely, there's an Apple Insider article that came out a couple days ago, and it seems to be uh, confirmed by quite a few different people with access to the most recent builds of Snow Leopard. And according to them, the install process has had some significant changes, uh, most of which I think are for the better. Uh, one of the things it has done, though, is taken away the, the traditional options. It used to be when you installed uh, a new OS X operating system, you had three options. You could install, I mean, actually you could upgrade, which would just look at what you've got and give you what you need to bring you to the new system. Or you could do an archive and install which is uh, it would copy off the data that you had on there that it needed after it was done. Then it would install the, the um, operating system, then copy your data back into the operating system. So it would be a, a cleaner install in a, in a sense because it would wipe out the existing system and not do that, give you the different files, but give you everything you need and give you the benefit of bringing back your system as you had it set up. And then there was the erase and install, which we lovingly call nuke and pave, where you just wipe the whole drive out, install the operating system fresh, and then you're, you, know, you have to install all your software after that. Apparently, there's been some confusion over these methods because Apple is changing this because they seem to think that there's a problem with people accidentally picking the wrong option. 
And I suppose if you had no intentions of doing an erase and install and you accidentally hit the wrong checkbox, that would be a very bad thing. Although certainly not for any of you because you're all going to have significant multiple backups of all of your data. But we saw from the upgrade from Tiger to Leopard that those more advanced archive and install and erase and install options were put back, you know, kind of one screen back behind an, an options screen. And now they're apparently being buried even further and that there's really not going to be an archive and install option unless you're reinstalling Snow Leopard on top of a machine that already has it. And if you want to do an erase and install, you're actually going to have to go into Disk Utility, which does ship with the Snow Leopard DVD, and do it from there. So you're really going to have to go out of your way to do an erase and install. So it's going to be very hard to accidentally do this. Okay, so let me go over it one more time. So if you want to do an upgrade, that's automatic. You put it in and you do the upgrade. Right. If you want to do an erase and, and install, you're going to have to put in the Snow Leopard disk and open the disk utility, which is in your menu bar on the on the Snow Leopard disk, and then go into disk utility and then do the erase and install there. So if there's no way you do that accidentally, well, I mean, you've got to go through. Yeah, you, you have to go through a lot of steps to get there, and there is no archive and install, and these are the, these are the rumors which appear to be uh, confirmed by a lot of people using the current build, which is supposed to be the gold master. And that that says something to me. If there's no archive and install, maybe it's just not possible with the types of under the hood upgrades that are going on. But it does allow you to do an archive install after you install uh, Snow Leopard. So if you don't want to do the nuke and pave. You're going to probably have to just do an upgrade, and if you have a problem with that upgrade uh, and you don't, still don't want to do a nuke and pave, then you can do an archive and in, install from there. Now, we've had a lot of people write in and ask us, what if I'm installing on a new hard drive? What if I am um, you know, had an issue with my system and I completely need to nuke and pave? Am I going to be able to do that from the Snow Leopard DVD, or am I going to have to pull out my old Leopard DVD and install that first and then install Snow Leopard on top of it? And... We don't know the answer, but David and I both have very strong speculations. Okay, you want to go first? I just see no way that Apple is going to ship you a DVD, regardless of whether you paid $29 for it or not, with Snow Leopard, that is not going to have a complete operating system install on it. I think what they may do is they may have some kind of verification method and in the past with the uh, Snow Leopard or with the up-to-date drop-in boxes uh, on previous versions of the operating system, they've had a little pre-installer run to confirm, yep, okay, you're running Leopard, I can go ahead and proceed. Um, and then there are other ways to do that. You could request a copy of the Leopard DVD and stick it in and spit it out before they'll proceed to confirm that you have a copy of Leopard. But I just, it, it would be a nightmare for Apple to troubleshoot any kind of issue if that Snow Leopard DVD was really just an upgrade and not a full DVD. I completely agree. I was going to say if it's not a full version, I'd eat my shoe, but with the internet and everything, I would. I may actually have to eat my shoe, and I don't want to do that. Okay. But the uh, I, I think like one way to do it if you had a new drive... I, my guess would be the people at Apple are very smart. They're going to have a system. I think the first thing it's going to do is look to see if Leopard's already on there. And if it's not, then it's going to have some other things it can do. One of them would be just say, stick your Leopard disk in. And it'll just check to see that you own a Leopard disk. And then it'll spit it out and say, okay, put Snow Leopard in and let's get to work. Uh, but, you know, I don't know how they're going to do it. I, I strongly believe that it's not going to require you to install Leopard first before you put the upgrade in. That is so un-Apple. I just can't imagine that being the case. Right. But just in case we're wrong, you may want to hold on to those Leopard installed DVDs just for now. Well, I think you... And you, maybe forever. Yeah, you may need it. If you're doing an upgrade, you may need it to verify that you own the disk. So I guess we'll see. I mean, maybe by the time this podcast comes out, the answer will be out there, but... Uh, it is fun to kind of figure out how they're going to do it. I just can't imagine that they're going to do anything that requires you to install Leopard before installing Snow Leopard. Right. Uh, there's some other uh, items in the Apple Insider article that I thought were very helpful, and I hope that they're true. Um, one of them that 
piqued my curiosity is the incompatible software folder. Did you read about that? That's a great idea. Why was this not available on previous OS versions? I don't know. I don't know. You live and learn. I mean, uh, we were talking earlier about some of the um, the hacks and the software that caused trouble for uh, Leopard. So what Apple has done is in this new version, it looks at your drive and what you're running before it does the install or the upgrade. And if it sees any what it considers to be bad applications, it disables them and moves them into a folder called incompatible software. So then when you go to boot up your shiny new Snow Leopard, uh, those apps don't load and you don't run into trouble. Now, I think we may run into the same problem, though. I wouldn't treat this as a fail-safe device because, you know, how well-tested is Snow Leopard? Are they going to be aware of every little hack, every little add-on, every little thing that could possibly cause incompatibility? They've obviously got a list, but is it going to be an all-inclusive list? Well, I think if you're worried at all about it, just be patient and wait a couple of weeks because that list is going to be complete pretty quickly afterwards. Because you're going from a very small sample, uh, and then the day it releases, you're adding all the the nerds, you know, like you and me. And then within the next week, you're adding a lot of the more normal, uh, <laughs> sane Mac users. And, and by the second week, I think you're going to know you have a pretty good idea the the apps that are causing a problem. Well, I think if you go out and look, you'll know. But obviously, the the bad app list on the DVD isn't going to be updated. Yeah, yeah. So go out and look. Yeah. Uh, According to the Apple Insider article, if a power outage occurs, installation will pick up where it left off. That kind of blows my mind that it could do that. Well, maybe this is a sign of better redundancy built into the OS all around that your your Mac is going to be able to handle inadvertently pulling the plug and power outages and forced restarts and things like that a little better. It would certainly be nice. I mean, you know, the fact that they're putting these kind of features into it just just magnifies what a mature operating system OS X has become. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I mean, it's like they're they're polishing the polish at this point. And Snow Leopard will also not allow itself to be installed on a drive that's not smart verified. Now, again, this isn't a catch-all because I have had drives that have completely failed that will still occasionally read as smart verified. But it it is a good way to get some of those failing drives right off the top. Um, just say, hey, whoa, something's wrong here. I'm not installing Leopard on that Snow Leopard on that. Okay. Well. I I tend to believe this Apple Insider article, so maybe I'll be proven wrong. But it, when it makes have, sense. I mean, when you have this many developers confirming and writing and saying, "Yeah, this is what I'm getting," and it seems pretty, uh, there seems to be a lot of verification for the fact that they're at the end of their cycle. They have a gold master. It just seems to me that this is consistent with Apple's way. I mean, especially like the way they have cut back on the install options. I mean, in the last version, you had to click the options button to get to the more powerful options. Now you actually have to dig through menus. And that sounds just like Apple. Right. This is, this is the way that we want you to do it, so therefore this is the way you are going to do it. And, you know, they're probably right. Because a lot of people could get in trouble clicking those wrong buttons. They are, but I'm going to go click them anyway. Yeah. So let's talk about actually sitting down to install Snow Leopard, and I guess kind of our recommended best practices for doing that. All right. Step one, backup, backup, backup. See, show eight. You know, I think every time we say that word three times in a row, I think we have to send a check to Steve Stanger. See, I think I had it before, Steve. Oh, did you? Uh, We'll see. Well, the, uh, you know, back it up and think about this backup because after you install Snow Leopard, your backup software may not work. We had that problem with Leopard and the super duper users. And even if it does work, I don't think you want to make a backup and overwrite your Leopard backup immediately. In fact, I would recommend, and we've talked about this before, doing several different types of backups for Snow Leopard. And one of them needs to be a drive, preferably a clone duplicate, but some kind of backup 
that you can let sit on a shelf for a while until you make absolutely sure this whole snow leopard thing works with everything you need it to. Yeah. I'm always trying to spend listeners' money on hard drives and friends as well. And, uh, you know, snow leopard's only 30 bucks. And if you only have one external drive to do your backups on, maybe it's a good time to consider buying a second. And with that, you could make a backup of your Leopard system, stick it in a drawer, and just leave it there for a month. And once you get Snow Leopard up, you've got that extra drive, and you can be backing up to that one. Yeah, not a bad idea. So take that comprehensive backup method that you designed listening to Show 8 and completely implement all of it. Make sure that all of your backups are up to date. So I think, think we've got our backups now. Yeah, but the, the difference is in show eight, we were talking about a an ongoing backup system where you don't mind the clones overriding clones. In this case, we want one clone that's going to stick around a while. And that's, I think, significant. Absolutely. Um, also, as you sit down to do the Snow Leopard backup, do one last check to make sure you've got all those installer CDs, you've got all those serial numbers. Maybe you won't need them. If you plan on just doing the standard update, you may not need them, but have them available just in case. And we're going to talk about it in the security episode, or maybe even give it its own episode. But there's an excellent application called 1Password. If, you, if you're using that, print out your database and have a hard copy of all that. Actually, anywhere you've got your serial numbers, print out a hard copy. Right, because you know your printer may not work. I, I, we sound all doom and gloom, but uh, yeah, it's it's possible. You may not be able to get to your copy. Your computer may not boot. I wouldn't say doom and gloom. We're just trying to tell people where the speed bumps are, so or the potholes. Right. And that's simply because I have run over every pothole that you can on a computer. Getting back to our concerns that there may be some third-party uh, plugins or add-ons or applications that may not be compatible with Snow Leopard. You've obviously already gone through and done everything you can to make sure that you're completely up to date, but you may want to consider deactivating for the installation some of these third-party system add-ons, specifically any kind of system preferences, any kind of hacksies, any kind of add-ons or plug-ins, any log-on items, um, any of these that you can temporarily disable that's not going to be a big deal to re-enable Probably not a bad idea to go ahead and do that because those are your most likely culprits for problems. Yeah, and you can always add them back. You can, uh, they're not difficult to reinstall later. And you know, starting your system back up with the minimum amount of interference is always a good idea. You may be shocked at how fast it comes back up. Yeah, it may make you reconsider how much of that stuff you really need. Um, you also want to deauthorize any software that has limitations on the license or activations. And for virtually every Mac user, that's your iTunes account. It's your iTunes. Um, inside iTunes, if you have an Audible account, it's that. Uh, the Adobe Creative Suite has uh, authorizations. And sometimes, even though you say, well, I'm just doing an upgrade, some of these uh, authorizations and keys, so to speak, live inside your main system folder and could be affected by this. So anything that you need to deactivate or are concerned about, go ahead and deactivate. It's not going to take you but a few minutes to reactivate it later. I think when you do a system upgrade, a point upgrade, or install a new cat, you just don't know what's going to get garbled when it goes in there to do that because it's going down to the root level. Right. Uh, Repair disk permissions before you start everything up. Great idea. Yeah, and I think you may even want to go one step further and verify the integrity of your startup disk. You can do this from within Disk Utility, but I've been told by the Apple people that um, within Disk Utility it's not as comprehensive as if you're booted up off the CD. And as we know, that Snow Leopard CD or DVD is going to include a copy of Disk Utility. I, you don't want to repair permissions from a, a an external Disk Utility copy, but it's not a bad idea to go ahead and just verify that disk and make sure that it's in good condition. Yes. How long are you going to need to install Snow Leopard, do you think? I would plan on this taking several hours. I hope it won't, but I would plan. They're saying that they cut the install time in half, but there's more to it than just installing. Right. 
Um, I mean, even just verifying the disk takes a long time. Yeah, and, there, would, and there are all these preliminary steps that we're talking about right now. These are all things that I would do as you sit down to install it. Um, I recommend that before you sit down to install it as well, you do one final sync of any of your online sync services. Sync your mobile me account, sync your Dropbox, sync all of your iPods and all of your iPhones. Because again, just in case something goes wrong, you want to make sure you have your most recent data available and synced. Yeah, and you also want to unplug all your unnecessary hardware, just like you're getting rid of the extraneous software and system preferences, taking off the external drives and printers and scanners and other devices makes it a lot easier for that first boot up. Well, and there was an issue, I believe it was with the 10.2.8 update several years ago that fried quite a few, not fried, but made caused not to work quite a few external FireWire hard drives. And I actually had a, an issue with one of the 10.4 updates a few years ago that caused one of my USB drives not to work. So keeping those unplugged during the install process just um, prevents you from having problems. If you've got a laptop, unplug everything except the power cord. If you've got a desktop, unplug everything except the power cord, the monitor, the keyboard, and the mouse. Unplug everything else. And then, of course, on the way home from the Apple Store, stop at Blockbuster or the library and find something to entertain yourself because your computer is going to be doing a lot of things that you can't have any involvement with. Yeah, this could take a while. Yeah. And um, while you're sitting having dinner after you've gone to the Apple Store or waiting for any of these additional steps to take place, waiting for that final backup to finish might be a good idea to open that box and read any pieces of paper that may be in it. Apple may have put some documentation in there that tells you how to install or what the options are available. Might not be a bad idea to read through. You know, I'm really optimistic about Snow Leopard. I think it's going to help uh, the OS X platform a lot, and I think they probably have got a better handle on this install than they did with Leopard. I think they do. I think, And you know what? I, I think it will be fine. For almost everybody. I don't know if you recall, but the final build of Leopard was never released to the developers. And that's why there were a lot of issues, and I don't think Apple's going to make that mistake twice. Well, if what I'm reading is true, they've already released the final build to developers. So that's not true, if, unless a bunch of people are making up stories. Right. So what are you going to do, Katie, for your install? How are you going to set it up? In the past, with major OS updates, I have always done an erase and install. Um, I considered not doing it because my MacBook Pro is only about a month old and I have a relatively new system install, but, you know, then I decided it's Snow Leopard. Maybe if it wasn't Snow Leopard, you know, who am I kidding? I would do it either way. Um, but I specifically want to clean off all the cruft that I can, so my plan is to do an erase and install. Now, I'm think all of the information we're reading is saying that that is going to be an option on the Snow Leopard DVD, but if by some strange miracle it isn't, um, I'm going to go ahead and do an erase install with Leopard and then install Snow Leopard on top. So I don't think it's going to be an issue. I think I'm going to be able to do an erase install from the Snow Leopard CD, and I will reinstall all of my applications from scratch, and I will migrate over my user data very similarly to how I outlined in our uh, Setting Up a New Mac episode. I don't know, Katie. That sounds kind of like a masochist to me. Well, your co- your computer is only a month old. How much cruft can you have on it? You never know these things. It's it's more. I, I kind of consider this. I mean, what else are you going to do on a Friday night? <laughs> Apparently, or you could podcast. <laughs> you could you could podcast, or you know, this is uh, it's like my ideal Friday night. Installing a new OS and doing a complete erase and install and re upgrading everything. I mean, what could be more fun than that? <laughs> for the listeners, I am like get, leaving for Yosemite like tomorrow, and uh, Katie's getting ready to move. So we're trying to figure out when we could do this podcast. And I emailed her saying, "Well, if you had no life like me, we could do it Friday night." And you wrote back and said, "Well, guess what? <laughs> I have time. <laughs> Let's do it Friday night." Yeah. Well, yeah, I don't know. I, it seems to me like you could get away with an upgrade, but you know, I can understand that something somewhat cleansing. You know, uh, if you were a former PC user, I'd understand it more because as a PC user, 
uh, you just expect that you'd have to do that. In fact, as a PC user, you'd probably expect that you have to go out and ritually burn your computer and buy a brand new one when the new OS comes out. But uh, it seems to me like you could get away with an upgrade. But I probably I, could. And I, if it were an option, I would maybe compromise and do the archive and install, but yeah. Yeah, I'd be tempted in your shoes just to do an upgrade and see if things go badly. You can always, you know, go back and and do more later. But that's now, hey, it's that's your thing. Now let me clarify because I think we need to as well because my install plan is my install plan. It is not necessarily the best install plan for everyone. In fact, I typically recommend that people don't do this unless they have a particular reason too. I've generally yeah. recommended that people do archive and installs, but that doesn't seem to be an option here. So my recommendation for the average normal Mac user is just let Snow Leopard do its thing. Unless you're having specific problems, just let it upgrade. I remember a friend of mine who's an Apple genius, I was telling him about my intention to um, erase and install, I think it was Tiger, but I don't remember. And he says, Dave, what? What's wrong with you? Just upgrade. Just press upgrade. It'll work. And, uh, you know, largely he's right. Uh, when I did the Leopard upgrade, um, I had, I, until very recently, I only had one Mac. But I did the upgrade on it, and it worked fine. And then I started having problems three or four months later. And I don't think it was with the initial install of Leopard, but just the sheer volume of stuff I put on my Mac. And eventually I went and just did an erase and install, and that fixed the problem. Uh, but my wife has a MacBook that is three years old now. I don't know how old it is, but I just did an upgrade on that on Leopard, and she never had a problem. I never had to do an archive and install or anything else. It's still running just fine because she's not crazy like me. You know, she uses her computer to do her word processing to handle her email and you know get on the web, and she's never had a need for anything further. And my daughter's computer, which is even older than that, uh, I just did the basic upgrade. On uh, on Leopard, and once again, we never had a single problem. So my intention with the uh, with the release of Snow Leopard is I'm going to on my wife and daughter's computer. I'm going to do the same thing, just run the upgrade. And my laptop is a MacBook that is now I've kind of lost track, three or four months old, and I'm just going to do the upgrade on that too. But the iMac has been giving me troubles, and I'm not sure what it is. I've tried to figure it out, and just haven't got there. And I'm thinking maybe this one is a candidate for Nuke and Pave. And I think I'll feel better about it if I do that. And hopefully that'll solve any problems. And if I do continue to have some of these beach ball issues I'm having, then I, I would suspect at that point it may be hardware and maybe I need to bring it in and get it checked out. Mm. So what I'll do is when I get the disc, um, the iMac will come out of the office and go down on the kitchen table for a night because I am going to be watching a movie or doing something while I'm loading it up. But if you go back and listen to episode about setting up your new Mac, which I don't recall the number now. I think it was six or seven. Uh, but that magic install this guy talked about is a blessing because it makes it really easy to set things up. And, you know, if you're a user of something like one password where you can sync your passwords over, it doesn't take that long to go back to the beginning. And if you do want to do an erase and install, maybe it's a time uh, you don't need to install everything. Just install the stuff you're going to use and and see if you ever need any of the other stuff. You may find your computer gets a lot leaner uh, through that process. Maybe that's why you do it, right? You know, that so you is why I do it, yeah. I'm still going to give you a hard time, though, because since your computer's a month old, it seems like you just went through that. We'll see. We'll see what's going on that night. Yeah. <laughs> I don't blame you, though. I mean, you and I are too similar. I mean, it, it's kind of fun to start over with a computer. That's That's a sick statement, I know, but it is kind of fun. Okay, I think we've kind of covered the pre-Snow Leopard topic. Okay. Uh, we will do another show on Snow Leopard. I didn't really want to get into it uh, tonight about all the great stuff that Snow Leopard is going to do because I'd rather have, you know, kind of get my hands on it first and, and see where, where it makes a difference. But it looks to me like it, it may be quite useful. Right. Now... We probably need to do our feedback section because we got a lot of feedback on the backup episode, and um, I had an issue after our backup episode that 
was a, a little funny and a little scary, and I've had several people email and Twitter me about it, and uh, probably good to go ahead and discuss, but not dwell on. Um, on the backup episode, I spoke very highly of the Mosey off-site backup system that would upload uh, certain files that you had specified to an off-site server. And I have been fairly happy with Mosey and uh, continue to use it today, actually. However, ironically, the night that we recorded our backup episode, an update of Mosey came out, the 1.4.1 update, and there was a very bizarre incompatibility in that version that killed my time capsule. And it didn't actually harm the time capsule, according to Mosey. I, I have no way of knowing. But I was getting a slew of random errors whenever I tried to do a time machine backup to my time capsule. I would get errors saying that the disk image was corrupted. I got errors that said the disk image couldn't be mounted. I got some kind of bizarre spotlight error saying that the index was in use. I got a constant message saying preparing. I got about four or five different types of error messages. Um, took my time capsule to the Apple Genius. They looked at it. They did diagnostics on it. They said they thought it was toast. And we ended up erasing it, and they actually gave me another time capsule. Um, and it was actually even a little bit of an upgrade because they don't make my old time capsule anymore. So for those of you keeping track, this is time capsule number three. Uh, got the time capsule home from the Apple Store, looked forward to everything working again, and had the exact same problems, could not create a disk image. Spent some time on the phone with AppleCare, and they were convinced it was a corruption of my data. Uh, was prepared to go back to the Apple Geniuses, and finally saw a Mac Fixit article pointing to an Apple discussion forums, speaking specifically about an incompatibility with Mosey and Time Capsule, and it was exactly my issue. The fix is to uninstall Mosey. As soon as I did that, my time capsule worked beautifully again. Now, it is unfortunate that I have now lost all of my backup data that was on my time capsule. Although for me, it worked out okay because I got a new time capsule and a slight upgrade. But it's really not fair to Apple because it certainly wasn't their fault. They were just trying to do the best they could to troubleshoot it. They weren't aware of the issue. Uh, Mosey has since today released a update that corrects this issue, and I am in the process of running Mosey again to get everything up to date. It's been very slow. Um, not sure if that's an issue with the fact that I had uninstalled it and have reinstalled it or, or what's going on there, but it appears to be working and my time capsule appears to be working. So if you've been having any of these issues, check the status of your Mosey. You may need to uninstall it, restart, get your time capsule back up and running, and then reinstall it. Um, you know, it's, I'm a little frustrated about how the whole process happened because although Mosey acknowledged it on Twitter, it took nearly a week for an acknowledgement of an issue to come. And um, even there, uh, you know, I, I thought there were things that could have been done better to address the issue and get more knowledge out and get people back up and running, even with a prior version. But I understand that bugs happen. Apple has certainly been guilty of them in the past. And they responded very quickly and within a week and a handful of days did get an update back that fixed the issue. And granted, in terms of total percentages, people who run Mosey and a time capsule are probably pretty small. But um, I have reinstalled Mosey. I am going to continue to use it. But because we talked about it so specifically on our last backup episode, I did want to address it here as well and just make you all aware because surely uh, I know some of you have already emailed me and told me that you had the same problem. So that was my backup fiasco, which thankfully now has been remedied and everything is functioning again. You know, I don't think the percentage would be that small of people who run both, because if you're sophisticated enough to do an online backup, I mean, that's pretty high-end stuff. You've probably got a time capsule running. I bet there's a lot of people that got hit by that. Well, I will tell you that I personally got a dozen or so emails from different people about the issue, possibly because I'd been very vocal about it on Twitter and through the podcasts and all. So I know I got a lot of feedback on it. I'm not sure how many people are out there in the wild. And this just goes back to the whole thing about redundancy, because here you had one backup system wipe out another one. Right. 
And to kind of add insult to injury, the Apple tech on the phone had suggested that because I was having problem after problem after problem, that perhaps it was my data that was corrupted and was causing a corruption. And I said, well, no, my data is not corrupted. I'll, I'll prove it to you. And um, my hard disk checked out fine. And then I decided, well, I'm going to go ahead and just double check uh, my data corruption and make sure that there's no issue on my clone backup. And uh, sure enough, ran disk utility on my clone and got a slew of errors. Now, fortunately, after about 15 minutes, disk utility was able to churn through and correct them, and my drive is now checking clean. But talk about a terrifying few moments. My time capsule's not working. My Mosey backup is uh, offline because of the incompatibility. And I find out that my clone backup is, is reporting hard drive issues. I had a plan, you know, that's A, B, and C out the door. I'm, you know, now falling back on, you know, plan D, E, and F. And fortunately, it, you know, like I said, today everything is cleaned up and back on track. But it was a little scary for a while. It's just so bizarre that that happens like three hours after we record, you know, about backup. It, it's It's odd. And one of the factors that complicated it is it happened within a day of the 10.5.8 software update coming out. So from a troubleshooting standpoint, it was very difficult to determine. Everybody immediately assumed it was a 10.5.8 issue. Yeah. Well, so it's kind of disappointing that Apple's trying to blame your data corruption and that Mosey isn't even acknowledging it for a week. I mean, they must have known sooner than that. Well, they did acknowledge it on Twitter, but no mention on their webpage or or anything. What? I mean... What's up with that? I mean, why would you put it on Twitter but not on your website? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. It's uh it's something that I've been a little disappointed with. I I did email someone at Mosey and um he actually volunteered to do a Skype interview. So I I don't want to slam them too badly until they've had an opportunity to tell their side of the story. I mean, certainly I get that bugs happen and um but I just I hope that they've learned something from this issue and I hope that in the future when something happens like this they'll They'll look at better ways to address it. You know, that's why I really like that offsite backup I sent to my sister-in-law's house. It just feels to me like you know, you know, belt and suspenders. Because no matter what happens here, I know that there is at that house all the data I want plus a super duper on OneDrive. Well, I don't know. This is the sister with the cat, right? Uh, no. Oh, okay. Well, then maybe you're okay. <laughs> Completely different. Okay. <laughs> no, the the. Yeah, it's funny when the sister with the cat knocked the water on the computer. I wrote about it on Twitter. I got some very creative email, email and uh, Twitter responses about what to do with the cat. In fact, even more creative than what to do about the computer. Huh. Okay, well, we got a lot of good email back on the backup episode. A lot of people liked the coverage, and I'm glad that we were able to help a few people out. Had some people writing us asking us, "Well, this is what I'm doing. What else should I do?" and uh, my standard response is always buy one more drive. So, you know, what can I say? Um, we got some response from uh, one listener who said that, you know, we weren't really clear about installing from Time Machine. And going back and listening to it, he was absolutely right. It, it wasn't clear that you don't need to reinstall the whole, whole OS and then restore the Time Machine backup. Actually, when you install Leopard, it has a, a button if it sees a time machine attached and asks if you want to install from it. In fact, I think it even just says, do you want to install from a time machine? It gives you the option of plugging it in. Um, I think that comes after you've already done the... I, I'm pretty sure that it gives you an option to migrate from a time machine. I'm pretty sure that that comes after the OS install. But if you boot from that Leopard install DVD, which you'll have to to install anyway, if you go up into the utilities menu there is an option to restore system from backup, and that's where you can do it at the very beginning. The, the point is, though, you don't need to reinstall the whole operating system and then go through the process of pulling it off the time machine. You can do it in one uh, step. So uh, long as you've done a complete time machine backup of your system. I know a lot of people exclude certain drives or certain uh, files and folders, including the system folders sometimes, to save space on their time machine backup. So... Obviously, this only works if you have a full and complete time machine backup. And, and the point I wanted to make was it's even faster on a clone no matter what because you just plug the clone in and turn the computer on. Right. Uh, but it, he's absolutely right, and that is faster than it sounded when I went back and listened to the, uh, the episode. 
We also got an email from Mark who kind of mixed the best of both worlds in having time machine and offsite backup. He said the one thing that was missing from the backup show was Time Warp, which works with Amazon's simple storage service to backup online. I've only been using it for about two weeks, but so far I'm very impressed. The speed is okay once you get past the first backup. So basically what this is is an application that will allow you to use Time Machine, but then stores those Time Machine backups um, on off-site storage. That's, that's got to be a lot of data. That's got to yeah. be expensive. I'd be curious to hear how much it costs him, but it, it is an interesting play. Um, you know, another email we had, it's not in the outline. I was just going through my notes from Edward who talked about uh, drive types. You know, during the episode, neither one of us felt real strongly about any particular drive manufacturer. But Edward pointed to Seagate and he said he thought MaxDoor 2 had five-year warranties. And uh, I didn't think MaxDoor had five-year warranties. In fact, I've, <laughs> if there's one drive I would say I've had trouble with it would be Mac store, but uh, Seagate may, but regardless, the point he makes is a good one. Look at the warranty on the drive because those warranties are designed around the, uh, the mean time to failure. And if the manufacturer puts a five-year warranty on a drive and on one drive and a two-year warranty on another one, then you probably are going to do better with the five-year warranty. Right. I would agree, except I would tell you warranties on hard drives mean nothing to me. Other than what you just said and that a longer warranty typically means the manufacturer has more confidence that it's going to work. Um, and unless I could make absolutely sure that I got my data off that drive to a point where it could not be recovered, I would never send a hard drive with my data on it back to a manufacturer to be replaced under warranty. Yeah. I know a guy who actually drives a nail through a hard drive when he pulls it out of his computer. Um, I would imagine that would also void the warranty if you tried to send it back, though. <laughs> um, yeah, I disregard, disregard the nail sticking out of the drive. It really didn't work before that. <laughs> Literally, when he's done with a hard drive, he takes it out of his computer. Obviously, it's backed up and the data is copied already. And he takes out to the wood shop and hammers a nail right through the plate. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know that I've hammered a nail through it, but I've definitely smashed it to the point of no return with a hammer. That would feel kind of good, I bet. It does. It does, yeah. Your hand kind of hurts the next day. All right. Um, we had even more follow-up on the Launch Bar episode with what I thought was an excellent tip from Daniel. Uh, Daniel writes in that he liked Quicksilver, and uh, he did miss some of the features of Quicksilver, particularly the triggers. And he uses another application called Fast Grips that works just fine with Quicksilver and runs scripts very quickly. And I have been reading and hearing about fast grips for a long time, and this email inspired me. I'm going to, after vacation, I'm going to download this and learn how to run it, and we'll report back. But it sounds like a great idea for you Apple, Apple script gurus. Excellent. All right, what's next? Security. Really? This time, yeah, this time we mean it. Okay. Well, if you have any feedback on our Snow Leopard show, or if you have uh, any questions or comments about our upcoming security show, uh, there are a couple of different ways you can contact us. You can go to our website, www.macpowerusers.com, and uh, take a look at our show notes and leave a comment. Uh, or if you've got questions, the best place to send them is to feedback at macpowerusers.com, because uh, that email will go to both David and I and uh, more often than not, you'll get a response at least from one and maybe both of us. Yes, double the pleasure. Yeah. Or the annoyance. Yeah, <laughs> that too. That too. Uh, and did you, you talked about Twitter, right? We're I didn't at, talk about Twitter. Oh, we're on Twitter at uh, Mac Power Users, That's which right. is kind of fun. We're getting a lot of nice comments from people and questions. <laughs> and also both of us individually are on Twitter. I'm on Twitter at Mac Sparky. And I am on Twitter at MacCore. Well, Katie, I hope that we get Snow Leopard soon because I just love putting new stuff on my computer. And I'm ready for it. It's like Christmas. You know, <laughs> there's going to be some stuff there that I didn't expect. And at the end of the day, I'll probably spend more time playing with it than I will ever recover and increase productivity. But I don't care. I'm going to enjoy it. I think a whole lot of Macs are going to get a whole lot faster when Snow Leopard comes out. And that's what yeah. I'm looking forward to more than anything. Uh, the multi-core stuff. I mean, 
uh, you know, Don McAllister's computer is going to be able to, you know, put a rocket on the moon, I think, after that. Yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you know what we forgot to mention? Uh, uh, our friends uh, Victor Cahiao and Steve Stanger did an excellent episode on getting ready for Snow Leopard uh, just recently on the Typical Mac User podcast. And we're going to put the link in the notes. Uh, it really led to a quandary for me because we had planned on doing this. And then I, I was driving to work and I heard Victor and Steve talking about it. And I didn't really want to steal their thunder. But I thought, you know. We we decided we're going to do it. We had started, so we'll go ahead and do it. And I'm sure we won't be the last Mac podcasters to do it. But Victor and Steve are two excellent podcasters. So if you have any questions about this stuff, and I'm sure their take is a little different than ours, go go and listen to that one too. Absolutely. And uh, thanks to them for they emailed us back and said absolutely go ahead, no problem. And uh, appreciate appreciate your understanding with that because it is going to be covered by a lot of Mac podcasters. And, you know, we made the big promise the next one is absolutely security. But what if next Friday Snow Leopard comes out? Oh, I mean, man, we got to do security. Yeah, yeah. We've promised well, the people. And it'll take some time, I think. I, when I do Snow Leopard, I really want to come and report uh, how I've turned it into something better for me and, and the workflows that we've already talked about in prior shows. Right. I mean, I don't want to just come and, and give the listeners a, a laundry list of what you can get on the Apple website. Right. And uh, as we mentioned at the top of the show, we are going to be taking a little bit of a break here. I'm actually uh, moving at the uh, end of the month, and you are going on vacation next week. So we've got the next two weeks where either you or I will uh, be unable to podcast. So we've already got our two shows out for this month, and we are just going to catch back up with everybody in September. Yeah, and the security episode is going to be a really good one to listen to. I've already got the outline going, and there's a lot of interesting stuff I'm even learning as we put this together. So I would look forward to that one. You're saying it's worth the wait. Absolutely. It's always worth the wait with you, Katie. All right. Well, this was a fun way to spend a Friday night. Thanks, David. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> 